The story we read in the Gospel of Luke begins depicting an apparently normal Sabbath day in the time of Jesus. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. The community is meeting for worship in its local synagogue and a gifted leader, in this case Jesus, is teaching. As usual, the men would be sat at the front and the women at the back. All appears well with the world. But not for long. Jesus was full of urgency. He was burning with the knowledge of the crisis his people were facing. A spiritual and political crisis which threatened the end of their way of life and would result in even greater suffering of the weakest and most vulnerable members of their society. And the urgency of this crisis was compounded by the failure of the leaders of society to acknowledge it or to take adequate action to prepare for it. The leaders of the day were refusing to see the signs of the times. Just a chapter earlier in this gospel, Jesus had said, You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Jesus was driven by compassion for the people. They were being ruled over by men who cared only to protect their own power and position whilst they could, but had no care either to improve the situation of the people or to prepare them spiritually for the political and religious crisis which was brewing. The crisis finally broke over them less than 40 years after the crucifixion of Jesus in AD 70, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in response to a Jewish revolt and the Jewish state and temple religion as they had known it ceased to exist. So when Jesus called the bent over woman to the front, suddenly it was no longer a normal Sabbath. Here was action appropriate to the need of the times. The power of God's love for all, especially the weakest and most vulnerable, needed to be revealed. The spirit of compassion and salvation was at work. The spirit of love in action. Jesus' actions were never accidental. Here, his pity for a long-suffering woman and his desire to show the people what God could do for them were fused into one amazing intervention. Not only the bent-over woman, but all the people could stand up straight and know that they were loved and valued children of God. The contrast with Jesus of the attitude of the synagogue leader was stark. The synagogue leader was hiding his complacency and lack of compassion under the cover of religiosity. He was proclaiming to uphold the Jewish Sabbath law whilst in reality trying to protect his own authority. As Jesus' accusation of hypocrisy made clear, he and his like would have no reluctance to look after their own property, their livestock, on the Sabbath day, but here they were complaining when a suffering neighbour of theirs found healing and release. Jesus wasn't aiming to undermine the Sabbath. On the contrary, the sacredness of God's people, God's presence with them, which their faithful keeping of the Sabbath signified, 
is what Jesus was affirming. But it was these leaders who abused the gift of God by protecting the status quo with all its inadequacies who were denying the true presence and love of God for the people. With the healing of the bent-over woman, Jesus affirmed and revealed exactly what Sabbath observance was all about, remembering that the world is God's, that God, the spirit of love and the giver of life, is the true hope of our world and our lives, not the forces of evil and death. How then could it possibly be right for the Sabbath's observance to be invoked against his actions, except, of course, by a leadership which was more concerned for keeping its own power than for releasing God's power of love? Well, what inspiration can we gain from this episode in the ministry of Jesus? Firstly, we are reminded that the touch of Jesus brings healing. Jesus saw the need of the woman. He felt compassion for her. He called to her. He laid his hands on her. We who are now the hands, feet and eyes of Christ in the world are called and empowered to be God's healing in the world. The gospel gives us assurance that when we reach out in compassion and touch real needs, then God's healing power is released. Lives may be changed by the love of Christ. Secondly, we are challenged by this gospel, and indeed the whole of the gospels, by the urgency of God's call upon us. We can never settle for the status quo, never imagine that the way things are ordered now, in church or in society, is good enough. Especially we are challenged to see the signs of the times, to see there are ways, which, there are ways we are being governed and ways our society and economy is being run which are death-dealing rather than life-enhancing. What can we do to help new ways come into being? The Gospel of, thirdly, the Gospel of Christ challenges us to see that it is an outworking of human sinfulness that needful changes to the way things are may be resisted by ourselves as well as others. Because we are served well, we are quite comfortable for the time being with the status quo, regardless of those who suffer and need help, which can only be provided by changes to the way things are. We find that narratives are spun and pro propagated to explain why there is no alternative to the way things are. Even in the 21st century, which has seen so much wealth already generated across the world, still there are voices telling us that the poor, the homeless, even the sick, must not expect too much help from the public purse, because it's likely that they are in that situation, these voices say, implicitly if not out loud, that they fail to make an effort to better themselves. Largely, therefore, it's their own fault. In this narrative, then, there is no challenge to human selfishness, but simply an affirmation of it. We live in a society which is vigilant against the threats of terrorism and extremism, and rightly our governments are constantly at work to prevent acts of violence being perpetrated against innocent civilians. There's also popular support now in our society for guarding our borders and protecting the integrity of our state and its sovereignty almost irrespective of any cost to the vulnerable. The undocumented person, regardless of actual legality, is deported 
as we saw in the Windrush scandal. The benefit claimant who misses a deadline or fills in the wrong form by mistake is sanctioned, irrespective of need. But what are the true signs of the times, I wonder? What about the growing climate and environmental crisis? Plastic waste in the sea doesn't know about our territorial waters. Climate change knows no borders. What about the greater threats to a viable future, not so much from extremism as from apathy? Apathy is not only more common than extremism, it's also the opposite of empathy, of concern for and the understanding of the weak and those who suffer. We are learning and seeing ever more about the violation of the earth and its life that is a result of the way our economic life is condu conducted. We see governments and corporations pretending concern without being willing to allocate the necessary resources and leadership to make the changes that would make a real difference. How concerned are we about the daily violation of millions of children which growing up in poverty represents? or about the violation of aspiration and hope for young people represented by the lack of affordable homes and opportunities. Do we shrug and think there is no alternative? I may seem to have come a long way in this sermon from the bent over woman in the synagogue in Palestine, but this was even more than a story of Jesus' compassion for a person in need. It was an act of prophetic witness on Jesus' part an urgent call for a change to the religious and social status quo which allowed a woman to suffer unrelieved for 18 years and which was indicative of a society headed for destruction. It was a demonstration that there was an alternative to that settled order of things, that the spirit of love changes lives and turns upside down the powers that be. Amen.